welcome back to Not Another True Crime Podcast. We're in for a, a weird ride today. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of, well, yeah, th- th- that was Sarah. I'm Danny. You know us. We're your partners in Wine, Crime, and Time. And we're sort of doing a different episode today because we feel like we get such good reception when people love when we tackle stuff in the news that's sort of going on because it's like, we need to talk about this. This is like a smorgasbord of things, stories you might not totally be knowing about, but things that we think are like kind of interesting and tie in to the true crime vibe that we are all about. Yeah. I mean, first up, I feel like we have to talk about the staircase trailer. Yes. It just dropped. I have a confession to make. I never finished the staircase on Netflix. I have tried so many times, but I feel like they almost, most of the documentaries, I feel like, I don't know. Like, I feel like they made his case in reverse. Like, they made him seem guilty. And so mm-hmm. now I just don't care if he's supposedly innocent. Uh, they sort of, some, I know, it kind of, it was giving like an hour long like dateline. But then I was like, why am I going to watch the rest of this if you sort of like signed, sealed, delivered it? And I guess it was kind yes. of like an attempt to make you be like working backwards and questioning things and stuff like that. Right, where I feel like usually they do the opposite, where they're like, no, he's not. This is why he can't have done it, and here's why they're saying he did it. Exactly. But I mean, now I, it doesn't even matter, because with Tony Collette and Colin Firth on HBO Max, these are all my favorite words coming oh, together yeah, for this staircase miniseries. It honestly looks good. Um, I don't know. It does look really good. I'll probably try to watch it. I will finish it. I think I have one episode left, which is like the worst okay. thing. Well, because you know what we should do? You should finish that and maybe I'll even rewatch it and then we watch this and we can do like a little comparison and situation yes. like that. And I, you know what is interesting too? Hi, all these Emmy and Oscar winners jumping in a true crime vehicle. I know. Get out of our lane. Uh, or, or Tony or in. Renee or come on our podcast. Yeah, come on the show. Oh my God. I actually did. <laughs> I did start watching the thing about Pam. I didn't get very far, I'll be honest, but... um. Number one, I thought the casting was like spot on for like Betsy mm-hmm. and Russ. They were they were kind of dead ringers. Um, uh, Renee, I, I have no comment on. <laughs> but the choices <laughs> you know? in that show are very like campy and and kind of weird. It's it's a it's a particular vibe. Like it's a fictional show that's almost narrated as a Dateline show, but like a Dateline show in which Pam is the main character. Like it's very weird. Yeah, they did a lot of takes. I actually haven't read that many reviews about it, and I don't feel like a lot of people are like talking, talking about it. So I don't know if that's a good thing or not. But Judy Greer, yeah. uh, if she wants to chat with us, that'd be really fun. Yeah, that's we'll put my, that my, out there into the universe yeah. too. And until she says no, then I'll give all of my. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about the show more honestly. <laughs> but I know, but it was, but it, I, but it, I like. I feel like because right now it's also that's like the major like a network jumping into a true crime miniseries because before it's always like a Netflix. Yes. Or an HBO Max and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh my God, this is on like regular TV? Like, like NBC, yeah. NBC? Ugh, I had to watch it on Peacock, whatever. <laughs> oh, I do love Pe- I do love Peacock. I, I think I just have beef with NBC in general because the Bravo app mm. is so fucking horrible. Like people on Twitter talk shit about HBO Max and I'm like, have you tried to watch one episode of any Bravo show? I think they are doing that slightly so everyone just joins Peacock even though they don't have the newest ones on there. Peacock doesn't work either. I know. I don't know that great. But I do love Peacock has some good. Uh if you guys like like uh crime dramas, the capture I just watched is insanely. Ooh, good. is it fictional? It is fictional. It is about like CCTV footage and um 
there's a main twist with that. We'll see CCTV footage to like how like in London everyone like is on camera all the time, and it's an interesting thing that they do with it. And that's interesting to me. I started watching Suspicion. I will say this is going to get me canceled, this opinion. But like, Uh I hate when I'm reading or watching, mostly reading because there's like a delay. But like when I when I go to watch or read a thriller and then all of a sudden it's British, I just get annoyed. I'm like, I want to relate. I really I'm like, I don't want to have to Google these fucking words like. One time I was reading a thriller and they kept referencing something called a Zimmer. And I was like, what? The fir- and you know, the first time Zimmer. you read a word, you're like, ah, whatever. I'm just going to ignore it. <laughs> it and then like the again. 50th time, I'm like, God damn it. What is this thing? I had to Google it. It's a walker. So Ooh. just like, I, I just hate when it's like surprise British thrillers because then I have to go Google a bunch of words. Um, it is anyway. funny. I am the polar opposite. When I turn on a thriller and I'm like, this is in Maine. What? <laughs> I'm like, I can drive to Maine. I'm like, I cannot hop over to London right now and like be captivated. That's so funny. I will say though, like, well, it's weird because when I started watching Pieces of Her, I was like, wait, they're not British? Like, I was very confused too. I know that's with our girl, Slaughter. Yes, I know. I was like expecting them to have accents. I've been trained. Murders only happen in England according to streaming services. According to streaming, but according to our first uh, story, that is very much not the case because there is an update about... California. Yes. I feel like in, in the U.S., all the famous murders are like California, Colorado. Yeah. A lot of them. Yeah. We got a Seems lot of Jersey, get first too. degrees of murder. Yeah. yeah, Jersey has some. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but no, this is a big one. I mean, a pretty, well, it's not a big update because it's sort of maintaining the status quo, but it has to do with the Manson murders. A couple days ago, actually, Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, rejected uh, Leslie Van Houten's parole review. So... The parole board was recommending that she be released after serving 50 years in prison for her role in the Manson murders. But in his review, Newsom said Leslie, quote, currently poses an unreasonable danger to society if released from prison at this time. And he also said that while Leslie has shown, quote, increased maturity and rehabilitation, end quote, she still has gaps in insight that make her a danger to society. Um, As a note, she is 72 years old. And this is the fifth time that a California governor has rejected her release. I know. I feel like now no one wants to be the governor. Exactly. exactly. Um, I mean, and that's what her lawyer is saying. Like her lawyer is basically saying that he's doing this for political reasons. And Leslie has a spotless disciplinary record in prison. And like, look, I get it. You don't want to be the governor who lets out a Manson girl. Yeah. Even if she arguably should be let out because she's 72. And Charles Manson is dead. And like, what's she going to do besides go on well, cameo? <laughs> but I <laughs> that. But then I feel like you just it's going to be it's always the circle game, because I mean, I'm sure her lawyer is like, what is she going to do? But then the governor's like, what is she going to do? That's true. And well, we, we should cover. I feel like that happens in in at least the fictional thrillers. But also, I'm sure it's happened where like. They release someone from prison and then they go murder someone. Um, that could be. Oh my god, that case. SVU episode with the kid from Shameless. Yes. Oh my god, classic. That um, insane. Yeah. But back to Leslie, she's had 21 parole hearings since 1982, <sighs> which would kind of kill me inside because of like the false hope. I know, and I get like, when do you get to the point where you're just like, like I'm, I'm good? Yeah. yeah. I guess you keep on trying for it. I guess, yeah. And most parole boards have denied her, but five since 2016 have recommended her release. But the California governor, or Newsom, I think, has re- rejected her releases in 2019, 2020, and again last November. 
And she's currently serving a life sentence for her role in the LaBianca murders, which was um, she and a bunch of the other Manson girls the day after killing Sharon Tate, I think, killed a grocer and his wife and like smeared their blood on the walls, which was really gruesome. But for what it's worth, she was not involved with Sharon Tate's murder. And I'm sure that her lawyer is really clinging to that. They're like, but yeah, not the not the most famous one. And you're like, okay, but still, I know, I know the it's second a really name in the hyphenated name. I know it's a that's a really hard situation. And I feel like if she was denied now, I I, I mean, I don't really know. And it's been rejected 2019, 2020, 2021. Like it's just gonna keep on. I I I, I, I can't imagine it going in different directions. I mean, yeah, good luck to Leslie, but I just, I I don't see anybody wanting to be the governor who frees a Manson girl, so. Yeah, exactly, yeah, so I mean, we'll keep updates on that, but I feel like. That's kind of what I think. It's just the objective fact of it that no one is going to be, wants that on them, especially, you know, because anytime you're anything of re-election or anything. Yeah, Even though in the long run, everyone's like, every person with the governor's like, can you just, Help us not have to spend so much money to live here. <laughs> but oh they're like, God. but I didn't do this. Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel like her lawyer's like, oh, it's political. And it's like, yeah, exactly. But yeah. what are you going to do? And in another random case, to be honest, but it was on People Magazine. So shouts out. They actually do have good crime coverage. I, I remember like, they covered this one case of like this couple who mysteriously died on vacation. I was thinking, because we, Do you remember yes, that I one? remember that. Yeah. And they really, they not only highlight the ones that are very much gaining attention, I feel like they're doing really good investigation on their own. So good on them. I guess, yeah. Works for us because yeah. then I get to read about celebrities and crime all in the same place. We love it. And do a little crossword. It's fun. Oh, yeah. It's fun. But so this is a case that is wrapping up. Probably very soon. Ronnie Leon Hyde is is going on trial. He's a former youth pastor. Mm. Guys. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm like, don't trust a youth pastor. Easy for me to say, but you But know. we alternate because we did the really bad youth pastor with uh Judd Faith Jenkins, and then we did yes. the good one with um uh the Betsy episode. And now we're just back to you know, we're we're, we're for every good one there's a bad one, I guess. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but uh, so he's pleading guilty to charges of murder and dismemberment. But um, let's let's back it up a bit. Um, so it, it all starts with the 16-year-old Fred Paul Laster. Uh, he disappeared and his dismembered torso was discovered in a dumpster in 1994 at like a gas station dumpster. Um, his head, hands, and legs had been cut off. So it was literally just a torso. Oh. And a woman walking her dog saw it in the dumpster. And I also just am like, what was the rest of her day like? Oh, God. I don't even know. But also, thank God in a way that she found it. Because if it was just thrown out, I feel people would have, there would be no trace. Yeah, no. I think there would have been like no resolution to this because yeah. it uh, took so long to get resolved. Which is shocking because of, as Sarah will go on, all the details and evidence that was there. It Yeah, it didn't seem like they were ever like, we don't know what happened. Like, we don't know who could have done this. They were kind of like, well, we kind of know who it is. I don't really understand. But investigators also found blood smeared items like a flannel shirt, plastic bags, two knives, a mattress topper that also appeared to have bone and hair tissue on it. 
And last year's family told police that Ronnie Leon Hyde, who was this youth mm-hmm. pastor, had picked up Fred earlier that week and they never saw him again. It, insane. So I'm kind of like, so you had the guy. Like, what? You saw the last time this child was seen alive with the person who was suspicious, but here we are. I know. I'm just, I'm, I don't know. Maybe I'm just, they had nothing to arrest him on or anything, but it's just yeah. weird. And I'm sure it was also the energy of like beloved man in the community and all that stuff. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. No, I don't know. Well, well, I don't know if this guy was a beloved pastor or like the creepy pastor because he kind of seems like the letter. Yeah. But we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. So in 1995, Lester's family filed a report with the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office because they hadn't seen him in eight months. Here's a fun note. They thought he was traveling with a band, and that's why it took him so long to report him missing. I, I, and I don't know if it was like, because they didn't have this detail, like, was it a religious band? Because it's why the youth pastor would pick him up? Or was it just a band that he was a big huh? fan? Like, was he a fish that hat? You know what I mean? There's no, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, I know. When I saw that, I had to check the dates. I was like, oh, yeah, 70s vibes. Like, totally no, no further questions. And then I was like, hold up. That was the 90s? Like, that's a little... Right. And like, oh, and like un- eight unexpected. months is very intense. But if, I mean, if it was his family, if his family thought maybe it was like his nature, who knows? But yeah, mm-hmm. very, a very long time to be missing. Yeah. And so the this kind of got re, I don't know, invigorated in 2014 because the National Center for Missing mm-hmm. and Exploited Children published information about the dismembered torso on its website. So then Laster's family saw this and they contacted the Columbia County Sheriff's Office. So then in 2016, familial DNA confirmed that the torso was Laster's. And this is about 20 years after the fact. Crazy. Or over 20 years, yeah. Yeah, oh my God. And then after that, investigators started looking, after that, I'm like, what the hell? Investigators started looking at Hyde, who was an acquaintance of the family and a known creeper, at least by the family. Yeah, and especially the kids. Yeah, right. So Fred's sister recalled that one time she woke up in the middle of the night and found Hyde nude and attempting to wake up Fred. Gross. And his brother alleged that this guy had a set of knives consistent with the ones found in the dumpster. Also said he'd been taking nursing classes, which would, I guess, give him like some additional knowledge of dismemberment. Yeah, I mean, you know, they teach you how the body works. I guess they're... (laughs) I guess that's right. the only time together. I guess because, you know where the joints are and stuff. Yeah. Like, who knows? I can't even, what's the word? Not dismember a chicken, but you know what I'm talking about? I'm vegetarian. I don't know what the fuck you're like talking about. Like, cut a chicken. I don't know. Oh, there you go. There's a word for it. I can't think of it. And now I'm like, why don't we say dismember? I guess Filet? that's needlessly graphic. Yeah, that because that would be, that would ruin uh, the f- meat. The, 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 the yeah, meat you're right. That would kind of ruin company. dinner. Kind yeah. of damper. Put a damper on it. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so then in 2016, investigators used uh, items from Hyde's trash to DNA test, and it matched the DNA found on that flannel shirt in the dumpster. So he was arrested, his property was searched, you know, bing, bang, boom, got him. Um, the trial is expected to last about a week, and I don't like his odds in prison. Oh, no, and but also, I don't like him, so... No, I've... yeah, no, I don't think he's in for a good time, I shall say. No, but he had 20 years of fucking no consequences, so, you know, here we... Here... That's what I don't get. Yeah, I'm always like, I can't... I'm like, how do people, like, you know, who do we do? John List, who was on the run for almost 20 years. Oh, yeah. Living a double life. It's like... 
anytime I tell one lie, I have to plan it out in my head for like weeks in advance and like remind myself that that's the lie. Like, how do you do that? <laughs> or as Sarma would say, no, he wasn't on the run. He was on the run. I wasn't on the yeah. run. I, I wasn't on the run. I just disappeared. I wasn't talking to anybody. No. Like, <laughs> what? No, you're crazy. And was like hiding my identity. <laughs> I love that girl. Oh, what? What a moment. But it is interesting because so much, I mean, all of this was solved, the the case we just discussed, because of a website where they published information and then DNA coming in. And Jorge sent us this really interesting article that we're wrapping up with, kind of as like, just to like let you guys know what is happening in the crime world, I guess, and also as like a conversation about it, because there are these now, I, I mean, like, uh, I, I don't know how else to describe it besides like rich people wanting, who are really obsessed with true crime, wanting to solve crime. So the whole thing, this is from the New York Times, and it's like when the police can't afford to solve cold cases using using DNA databases, deep-pocketed donors can. And uh, this is because like DNA testing costs about $5,000, which I thought, I don't, I, doesn't the, I, I thought the government pays for DNA testing, but I guess not always. Like, what is all the police budget going to? That, well, well I, mean, I know what it's going to. It's going to militarizing, but whatever. Yeah, no, but that's the funny thing because like a lot of this article, and I mean, LOL, and I Please save us the DMs if you describe it. Like they're always like the poor underfunded. I'm like y'all are under. Have you seen an infographic? <laughs> you guys are not underfunded. But here oh we are. my god! <laughs> but the money also I love that goes. We're out here being like, have you seen the Instagram infographic? No, like, like we're all broke. We're all just on a floating rock about to like combust. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, and also building out the familial tree with the DNA also costs money. But this entire trend of rich people donating money, I guess, or a lot, it was really in, uh, kicked off. Uh, one major one through LinkedIn, <laughs> which is interesting enough. Uh, and not yes. because they were posting like, <laughs> hey, who wants to find this? Um, this sheriff's office in Tennessee posted on LinkedIn, um, identify the victim of a 1978 Tennessee murder. So they did this because they wanted to uh, try new technology, the DNA testing, to attempt to solve this crime. It, so 1978, this was a few years ago, so it's over 42 years with no leads. And it was inspired, uh, if any of you guys are thinking back to like what this might remind you of, uh, the Tennessee office was inspired by the technology that pioneered the Golden State Killer being captured. Yeah, uh, I feel like that was that was such a like remarkable... I don't know. Truly capture. a what the fuck capture. Like, cause it's <laughs> like, you never, you, you were like, how did this even work go down? So also, I mean, like in case anybody is not familiar with it, the quickest summary of why this correlates, the Golden State Killer committed 13 murders and dozens of rapes in California and was unsolved for decades, like literally decades until FBI decided in 2018 to use DNA evidence to build out the perpetrator's likely family tree. So the familial DNA being used for this which resulted in IDing and prosecuting a 72-year-old former cop. It's always... I'll keep my mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is big Golden State Killer vibes. Oh, may, major, major. And so it isn't like they were able to do this by the DNA being available everywhere and then testing that DNA. So uh, Also, I feel like there was some podcaster. I want to say it was like Martinis on Murder. That was like their theory all along. They were like... It ha they were kind of like it has to be a police Ooh. officer to be able to like evade capture and like know certain things. Oh, and I think that's a theory also that prop that seems likely about the Long Island serial killer. Mm yeah, a hundred percent. 
And I remember one time I was doing our trivia on not know the true crime. And I was trying to make the question, like, which of the following serial killers, like, did not work in law enforcement. And I was, like, trying to Google all the regular, like, you know, yeah. hitters. And I was like, damn, I can't. I can't find one. <laughs> I can't. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, like they on. do exist. Like they do for sure exist. But like the ones that were coming easily to me, I was like, oh, this guy had a brief stint. Like so did this guy. Like let me just trash this question. When they learn, like, oh, no one checks DMs. here. I know exactly. What, yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> I didn't want a million um, DMs being like, well, actually. Oh, exactly. Yeah. So uh, with forensic genetic genealogy. One thing that they were able to do this, how to build this out, was through. Jedmatch, which is an online gathering place for people to upload DNA results, kind of like from like 23andMe and Ancestry. That seems sketch. Well, that's, I feel like you shouldn't be able to do that. Well, we, that's what because that, there, there's a, um, a expert who's kind of like, this is weird. Like, is everybody in your family consenting to having their DNA uploaded to the Internet? Like, that doesn't seem OK. No, not at all. So the Tennessee comp- uh, the Tennessee office could not afford it. So this genetics lab called Othram was trying to get money from the internet, which aren't we all just trying to get money from the internet? Uh, the founder, David Middleman, said it's basically like a Kickstarter. They, they, this article, I will say, they, they really were working on the pitches everywhere. They said it was basically like a Kickstarter, but instead of a product, you're getting justice. Uh, we're crowdfunding for justice. And I'm like, crowdfunding for justice <laughs> oh, is coming to CBS man. this fall. I'm sorry. Like, that is a Shonda Rhyme show if I've ever heard of one before crowdsourcing for justice <laughs> and when i was first reading this article oh. i was kind of like because they were like they needed 5k and this random wellness coach donated like four thousand because it was the rest of it and i was like what the fuck but we're gonna circle back to her because she's honestly so much in this article and kind of why i was like oh we should cover this because she's had some layers to it and i feel like she kind of does what all of us are like oh i think i could do from listening to true crime content Right. So her name is Miss Carla Davis, and she has given in like over the course of like a few years, like six years or so, over $100,000 to author in this company. So this is giving me bad vegan vibes. Yeah. So she was giving, but also, and the person even noted in the article, like she was like, they were don't, she was donating to it like it was a charity and not like a venture backed startup uh, to help cold cases, mainly in our home state of Mississippi. And we're okay. also going to get into kind of how. Like she donated this money to sort of pick and choose where they want to help out. Um, she is just one of the many amateur DNA detectives. Uh, and a lot of them say they were inspired by watching true crime content and consuming true crime like, content. What are the, they're not, they're not analyzing the DNA. Like they're just giving the money, right? They, yeah. So they kind of, but it's sort of like <laughs> that thing where it's like, you know, where they're like, okay, but we're now involved in it. I mean, if I donate to like, I don't know, the American like heart society. I'm not a You're doctor. not a doctor. <laughs> we are going to circle back to Carla. Carla kind of goes above and beyond all the other people donating later. Okay. And okay. I will shout her out for that. For <laughs> so uh, she also was inspired a lot to get more involved in how to help um, missing people and solving cold cases because her mom died when she was young and she didn't know who her dad was until she did 23 and Me four decades later. Wow. I feel like that's a that's a real housewives plot line on like so many of the franchises. Oh, yeah. I also I feel like I've heard a lot of people railing that like they're adopted or like family's not who the family is and stuff like that. And I mean I get like, you know, it just twenty three me, I have never done it because I'm like, I don't need to know anything. And also I'm like, I'm Irish. Yeah. What am, what is it gonna tell me? <laughs> no, I, I exactly. I'm Irish and I have bad skin. Like I don't need I don't need to spend seventy five dollars to spit in a tube to tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm also just I, once that Golden State Color thing came out, even though it was not 23andMe, like it was some mm-hmm. other 
service with like different privacy laws or whatever. But I was just kind of like, I don't need my familial DNA floating around. Again, not that I'm a serial killer, but you never know. Got to keep the option open. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. So everyone is really involved in this. And she did find out through, and I feel like this kind of ties it in. She didn't find out who her father was from picking her father, but she found someone who could link to her to link to her. Yeah. The dad was dead, but she was like, she felt like she got Damn, then you that. have to do a whole invest that now I see how they're investigators. Cause like you don't find out who your parents are. You have to like, oh. they give you a clue and then you have to exactly. solve the mystery. And uh. also, I mean, she really has had a lot of ties with this. Her, her daughter's 11 year old friend was abducted and killed. So she, Oh my gosh. Carla was really, I know when I was reading this, I was like, who, Carla, what? So she joined this Facebook group after watching YouTube tutorials about genetics I'm just reading sentences I'm here. obsessed. I'm obsessed with that. YouTube tutorials. <laughs> I mean, I, I watch them about how to like iron things. So she's doing more than me. <laughs> yeah. uh, and the group is called DNA Detectives. If anybody wants to join, Love I don't it. know if it's still around. Uh, which led to her new calling of helping over 200 strangers identifying their unknown parents. So she started just in the parents section. And like this kind of the DNA detectives, they, for what it's worth, they weren't trying to be like, oh, let's solve crimes. They were like, oh, let's like see how we can find out who's related to everybody. And this isn't just for Ortham, but like rich people have donated over like millions of dollars to causes like this, which uh, people are saying that could help usher in a place where like no crimes or few crimes go unsolved, but only if society is willing to accept and fund DNA places and companies like that. And also, I guess, deal with the um, uh, what's that word called? Like the moral, the morality of it, I feel also needs to be debated. Yeah, it's definitely like ethically questions. On both sides. Yeah. And uh, one I just wanted to shout out is there was the Vegas Justice League, which I kind of just like that that's like the group name. <laughs> They've given the company author $45,000. And they have with that solved three murder rape cases in Vegas, including two wow. really tragic ones of teenage girls in 79 and 89. Wow. Uh, so uh, they kind of like, they, 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 they kind of are saying like, we have proven successful Orthrim and all these other companies, but like, they need the money to do it because it's expensive. And um, just to give you an overview about this company, Othram, uh, the government, they say that their pitch is like government labs lack the expensive equipment needed to process DNA evidence. I don't know how. That's probably like, true. Yeah, but yeah, I'm like, I feel like it's always funny. Like whenever you're in a, t like how kind of how Sarmo is tricked into being like, oh, Navy SEALs rake in millions of someone to DM me saying like, Hi, yes. I'm married to someone like that. No. <laughs> like, yes, no, someone did DM us. I feel like we should just do like a roundup of great DMs that we got this week at the mm -hmm. end of this because someone did DM us and they were like, hey, um, you know, if they are doing Navy SEAL stuff, they're not going to tell you or like black ops <laughs> shit. They're obviously yeah. not going to tell you, which... Yeah, Tracks. it helped to hear from someone with a background, but yes. I was like, I don't think I need to have a military background to know to that. Know that. Um, and also they were like, yeah, Navy SEALs are not raking yeah. in that much money. <laughs> and it is funny because kind of like that, because I, whenever I think of like, oh my God, a government office, I'm like, oh, it's so sleek. It's like silver, no. futuristic. And people are like, no, no it's we, like shitty. we got the They're same career as you. So like they can't test on things like cigarette butts, blood stained fabrics, bones, which may be decades old, degraded or mixed with non-human materials. So for now, private labs need to do the work of creating genetic profiles and everything like that. And uh, it's it's like a very time consuming. They need experts for it and everything along those lines. And so a lot of these new companies want to be like the one stop shop for authorities. So uh, and kind of like change the way that they uh, go about solving these cold cases or older cases. 
Uh, the company has received over 400,000 of philanthropic uh, donors. And according to Crunchbase, which is like just like kind of unpacked startups, they've raised over 28 million from institutional investors to corner the market, which is sort of just like insane how much money they have raised. And here is what's kind of interesting and where people start to get um, into the murky territory of it. A big way they kind of captivate the public to donate is that they have this site called DNA Solves, and it tells the story of crimes with quote-unquote catchy names. The New York Times referred them to that. So they'd be like, here's help solve the Christmas tree lady or help solve the angel baby. To the encourage. Christmas tree lady? I know, which like, I yeah, an angel baby. They're very, very, very December-y themed. Uh, to <laughs> encourage people to fund underfunded police departments, which um, might be an oxymoron, but you know what I mean. Uh, it's what they. What's the, it's what this website is saying. Uh, Angel Baby reminds me of that like John Mulaney bit about how the New York oh. Post calls like any child who dies like a beautiful angel, angel. and it's like a and, bozo. Like, any criminal, yeah. yeah, exactly the bozo. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! Is so, oh, oh man. Okay. Um, and on top of that, I mean, now they have competition because now there's another site, Justice Drive, which does the same thing. So a lot of these sites are popping up. Uh, here's the thing. So on top of money. Othram also encourages people to donate their DNA, which some people say yeah. is kind of eh, because why would you give this company your DNA and not put it in a database? Because not like you're doing 23andMe and now it's in a database. You're just giving it's this company. It's not in the database? I don't believe that. I know. So, well, because, but then it's weird because like now like this company like sort of owns your DNA in their general database uh, and because theirs is built for the purpose of law enforcement. So what they say is that they would just use your DNA to run it against other like to, uh, evidence that they find. But why would you do that? To help to be like, maybe like your cousin's cousin or something like that might. Oh my God, you're snitching on your families? <laughs> yes, that's the yes. Wow. And so here is kind of, um, I was glad they included this. So Natalie Ram, who is a law professor at University of Maryland, go Terps, I believe. Yes, I believe they are the Terps. <laughs> um, expressed concern about the quote unquote public picking and choosing between cases saying that investigative priorities could be determined by who can donate the most, which, I mean, we see that in so Welcome many Welcome to fields. the world. Rich yeah. people, like, run the world. I don't know what she Yeah, so she said that the largest share of cases solved so far with the method tend to involve white female victims, which kind of yeah. we've discussed a lot. The Yeah, so um, missing white uh, women's syndrome and everything like that. So that's kind of the cases that the companies are promoting and also the people are donating the most to. Oh, yeah. I feel like I get, it's just like such a systemic problem. Yeah. And also because the existing bias towards prioritizing the white victims, which like we've seen in media, we've seen everywhere, could be compounded by the demographic makeup of the genealogy databases too. Their mm. compositions all heavily skew white and everything like that. And uh, it's kind of, so it kind of gets like a little bit uh, murky with that because it's sort of like, okay, so you're only looking out for these white victims. Where is the extra resources? Or where you just aren't giving money to help out uh, victims of color and people who aren't getting yeah. the crowdsourcing? That would be like, like an interesting grant. Yeah, right? Yeah. You know? Because they are also saying like, oh, well, there's less. Uh, like they were like, oh, well, because like, so they someone referenced like, oh, well, we have a lot of um, uh, black DNA. And it's like because um, black people are getting arrested more frequently for uh, unnecessary things, yeah, and so it's all. I feel from like, the yeah, it's like yeah. that's not so no. like I don't, uh, like that's not really a point in your favor. <laughs> yeah, so that's the main. So that was a main issue that she brought up, and I was like, that makes a lot of sense. And on another level, she's also concerned about kind of what we were referring before, the constitutional privacy of people who 
never agreed to have their DNA on anything, but share yeah, it with oh someone who does. Right. Like if you get my, first of all, again, I'm not murdering anybody, but like if, I don't know, I'm just like, if, if you get my DNA onto some fucking site that's shared with law enforcement without talking to anybody, like, I'm sorry, you're not coming to Thanksgiving. No, right? I and don't I'm care like, which family member you are, mom, dad. And also, because I, I mean, this is now just me um, talking out of the article. So this is just what I, something I was thinking about while reading it is like, I feel like, because like with money being so invested to this, there's going to be moments where I think they're going to want to like solve a case that might not be 100%. You know what I mean? Or they're like, no, this now has to match. Like, so it's kind of you like. You think they're going to like fudge it? Not fudge it, but be like, oh, maybe this could work. I'm just saying like, I want to just think about mm. all the things because like this company is running on money. I mean, every company has. But like in a way, it's kind of it's kind of like there's interesting layers to it. I don't know if they will go so far as to like to fully fudge it, but I don't know. But um, people are really into it so much so, even circling back to the Golden State Killer, an FBI lawyer who worked on it, Steve Kramer, uh, wants to get in on the action. He helped the FBI establish three forensic genetic genealogy units across the country, uh, but he left the agency in November to help found a company seeking to automate uh, genealogical research. Uh, He said, I don't consider genetic genealogy for just cold cases. We've solved active homicides within weeks. And um, to his credit, I guess, he he says he has a... Weeks, right? And he has a catchphrase that he wants to um, use for his. He says, we want to take the word serial out of serial killer. Thank you. He's ready for Shark Tank. These people are gearing up for their cable commercial. Like, what's the other thing that they said? I forget. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, my God. That's how Shark Tank They're ready. They are ready for it. They're ready for their close-up. Yeah. um, Also... um, uh, an interesting thing that uh, uh, true crime entertainment and podcasting has kind of gotten in on the action as well. Um, Audio Chuck, an Indiana company with a slate of popular Yeah, that's like Ashley shows. Flowers, right? Yeah, so uh, From, uh, has uh, donated approximately 800K to the organization. And also, uh, Ashley Flowers, she has her own nonprofit called Seasons of Justice, which I didn't know she had. Um, and she's raised over $250,000 and had made grants towards 53 unsolved murders. Wow. Yeah, so all of that and all of that, for the most part, from what this article says and from what I researched about the companies, the money goes to the DNA evidence uh, running, which is like 5K, and then the additional fees for family trees to draw their connection. I mean, I feel like if they have stuff that's untested, like, whatever, I'm for that. I'm for giving money to get it tested in a private lab. Yeah, Yeah, right, yeah. The whole thing of just like having your DNA floating around to be later used by law enforcement. I don't love the implications of. I know, I kind of also, the the Golden State Killer FBI agent, I sort of, not that cold cases go unsolved, but I like, but I enjoyed his messaging of like the priority of like these active cases, A, solve them quicker, and then also B too, because it's not a picking and choosing. It's like, okay, this is happening now, let us solve this. And it kind of gives it to where it's needed more than just like, oh, there's this story about an angel baby. Let me solve that over like a bunch of other missing people who are needed. That's true, that's true. All right, so let's let's go back to Miss Davis, the, the queen of this article. Truly. So after she donated $4,000, she said that this case caught her eye. It was called the Talladega Super Speedway Jane Doe. I mean, all right, that wins. That, that's a that's a captive. That's a that's an eye catching name. Definitely. So, what 
happened was uh, the decomposing remains of a white woman of average height were found nine years before in the yard of an abandoned house near this famous racetrack. And according to law enforcement officials, the the woman who had lung cancer had been wearing dentures inscribed with the word powders. So that's all they were going off with. Yeah, I have a lot of questions. Uh, The local police department in Lincoln, Alabama, believed her body might have been dumped by someone who planned to steal her identity to access her finances. Wow. So the company. I don't really know what they based on, but yeah. Oh, yeah. I I don't know. Uh, The company called Sharon Hallmark, who was a Lincoln police captain of investigations, and Miss Davis gave another $4,000, so Authorum processed uh, some bloodstains that were collected. So. This is crazy. This is crazy. The Lincoln police captain had Miss Davis join the cold case task force. This is truly like Kickstarter status, where you're like, you know, if you give us five hundred dollars, you get to come on the podcast that or whatever, so like Patreon true. tiers. And also, I I am blanking on unfortunately where she is, but she's living internationally, Miss Davis. Like she's not go- on the boots on the ground there. Let's get her on the pod. <laughs> Honestly, she, yeah. that'll be our Patreon tier. If you donate a certain <laughs> amount of money, you can come on the pod. And then if you donate even more money, um, we will put you in touch with the local police department. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> So you could solve the case. But no, I mean, our, our girl went went in. Um, her guest bedroom is now like detective central. I'm imagining like string boards, oh, the whole night. Full homeland, full, full homeland. Full homeland. Um, so she would try to get DNA matches and then look on verified sites that have people's phone numbers and stuff to not like tip anybody off that yeah. she's looking into them. Isn't that crazy? So whenever there'd be matches, instead of like calling someone to be like, oh, do you know this person? They, she would just go all online to like those, like, you know how you can like pay to see who's calling you and stuff like that? Yes. To get like more details. So she actually, that was smart on her end. So she kind of, yeah. This is sketch. I'm like, that's so bizarre. So in this case, uh, the closest match shared a great, great grandparent with the victim. So basically, starting from there, she learned their family's roots so intimately that she discovered an 1800s era affair between one of the ancestors and a neighbor. But I mean, that's good tea, but how is it helpful? <laughs> but I hope you know that was the one line that made me be like, oh, I need to get in on this. Just finding <laughs> right? out like century old drama. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, please. Oh, for sure. And then after five months, she found uh, where on the family tree the victim had to be, like uh, just as branch with two sisters. She was able to just like genealogically map who this victim was. And wouldn't that be a good movie title? A branch with two sisters. I like it. And actually, one of the sisters was alive. So she went to look for her on Facebook and then she found a post that said, where is Jean? Mm. Boom. And so Jean was a retired biology teacher um, and a grandma who lived in Georgia, and she's been declared missing since July 2013. Her last name was Ponders, so that was probably why they thought it said powders on the dentures. And so Captain Hallmark got contact information for the Ponders family from local authorities, um, and they also found her daughter, Jennifer, who provided a DNA sample, and it was a match. So now the police are investigating how Ms. Ponders got to Alabama from Georgia. I mean, it's not a far drive, but whatever. And more importantly, who dumped her body like at this racetrack? And of the 24 cases Ms. Davis have fu- has funded, seven previously unknown individuals have been publicly named, including most recently Gary Simpson, a 20-year-old black man from New Orleans, whose remains were found in uh, Mississippi River in 1982. So she's 
helping to like solve these cases by identifying victims, which is pretty good, pretty cool. Um, in honor of the new format that we're doing, I think the other new format is that while recording this, the episode crashed four times. So uh, my microphone is no longer working. Uh, it will be working next week. Sorry about this poor quality. This is but truly cursed, this episode. It. I think this this is a sign that this episode is like cursed and we shouldn't do that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, but let us know your but thoughts. But anybody who made it to this part, <laughs> know that me and Sarah both have cried at separate times whilst doing it, just about oh our God. lives. And uh, we really thank you for listening. Yes, I hope you have wine for this episode because yeah. you'll need it. I should put a disclaimer up top. Like, Honestly. this is 10 in the morning, but we, we need to be your partners in wine for this. Yeah, deeply. And also, so sorry. next week I'm excited because <laughs> we're going to be talking about that new Netflix documentary and we're going to go back yes. to the basics that we know. The Crypto Basically. King, right? Crypto King, whatever that is. Yeah, means. that's going to be exciting. And then after that, there's like a slew. There's so many. I was on, mm-hmm. I don't know, I think I was just on like Google News and there's just so many like true crime or just crime related like movies, adaptations. They, they're doing another Michelle Carter one. I don't. I don't know how I feel about that, but whatever. Yeah. Well, and also because we have to do, we, we might do one about the starved rock killer because Christina MC. Yes. That DM'd was a good us. one. Yeah. So, because, you know, and she, uh, her, her, she says that um, uh, she wants us to cover it, especially because uh, she told her wife, Steph, that she will never wrong her. And we have to do this to keep their marriage intact. Uh, I don't know what that has to do with it. I don't know. I'm not going to question. <laughs> I'm not their marriage counselor, but. You're right. Um, you're right. We won't get know, both. Like, I feel like they have to do that. And she would never she would never do it to her spouse. Yeah, Stephanie. no, I, I think there was also a development with that guy. But I'm down to do that because I watched it. I thought it was pretty good. But otherwise, yeah, definitely keep giving us your suggestions. Please. Some people said Jared Leto's cult. Oh. <laughs> if you're in Jared Leto's cult and want to talk to us, let us know. House of Gucci. But there's yes. not really a lot of info about no. that yet. Maybe that'll be my master's project. <laughs> 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 that would be fun. But yeah, if you made it so far in this episode, I mean, thank you. And also, like, apologies. <laughs> thank you. Y'all are the real ones. Y'all are the real uh, ones. Yeah. Uh, be sure to, you know, just chat with us on the Facebook group, Not Another True Crime group, or on Instagram, Not Another True Crime. You could follow me at Casual Dana, Casual with a K. You can follow me at Sarah Lameem. And we'll be back next week, and our episode will be less cursed, we promise. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Not Another True Crime Podcast is produced by Jorge Morales-Pico and Sean Kilby. Our hosts are Sarah Levine and Danny Murphy. Editing by Jorge Morales-Pico. Social media by Sarah Levine. Be sure to follow at NATC Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And send us your emails to natc at betches.com. Betches.